Welcome. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I was about oh. to ask you why you were laughing. Was it something uh, I did? No, it's not. Welcome to Bestsellers. I'm Natalie Jameson. And I'm Phil Williams. And someone's had some laughing gas. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> why is that? We should explain that we obviously don't just start recording a go. Right? That's not how it works. No. We've been chatting to each other for a bit and it's been fairly kind of, not somber, but, you know, straightforward, isn't it? It has. I, I Yeah. The reason why I was giggling was like, I was just giggling about how am I going to say my name? Like, <laughs> should I, like, how am I going to say my name? Like, do people ever do that? Because you never really say your name that much, do you? Like, So should I tell you where I struggled with that was at Radio yeah. 1? Yeah. You read the news there as well, I didn't did, you? I did, yeah. Yeah. So I remember the boss there saying to me, whatever you do, make sure, because you used to have to, the sign off, you'd punch a jingle out and it mm. would say Radio 1 Newsbeat, I'm, and then your yes. name. Right? And it, I remember him saying to me, don't forget to put your name on the bottom of the script. And I said, <laughs> I think I, I think I know my own name. And he went, yeah. trust me, when it comes to it, you'll forget it. Yes. And I'm like, what's he on about? And he was right. <laughs> did you have one where like, you didn't I write didn't, your name I, down? I didn't, I didn't forget my name, but I did, what I always did was printed the script and then in biro wrote, I'm Phil Williams at the bottom. Yeah just to make sure, uh, because there's so much going on, especially with that <laughs> bulletin, as you know, because yeah. you're firing everything in. I think mm -hmm. I had about five, if there was sport as well to do, you had about five faders on the go. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a bit like um, driving a car. It's a bit like pulling off in the car and you go, hang on, seatbelt first, first to second, blah, 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 and then you try to mess with the aircon at the same time or whatever. It's mm -hmm. a bit like that. And so, yeah, I could imagine people. I, I heard other people go, I'm, um, <laughs> and you just sound like Ron Burgundy. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. Radio I'd always, just, like, I'd always just put my initials down. So I'd always have like NJ written. <laughs> and I'd be like, Did you ever say I'm NJ? <laughs> no, I didn't. But um, I think I might have told you this before on this podcast. So apologies if I'm repeating myself, it's bound to happen. Um, but when I worked at Fox FM in Oxford, which is where I kind of did my first most news reading gig yeah. uh there was always a similarly like a blank space to fill in the weather and the amount of times I would forget to fill in the weather and the format was you had to say what it was and then mm. you had to give the temperature in celsius and fahrenheit right so, <laughs> I don't think that any like tapes exist back in the whenever that would have been like 2000 and something late 90s right. um but uh I would forever be go um and today's weather and then look at my script and realize that I hadn't written it in or I'd, yeah. that, I'd always forgotten that bit. So I'd go like, it's uh, it's cloudy and uh, increasingly breezy as the day goes on. It is 18 degrees Celsius. That's 53 Fahrenheit. Like, <laughs> I would With your inflection giving you away. <laughs> I would always like, be like, excellent. what do I say? It was always the Fahrenheit conversion that would get me because, like, who knows that for like every single temperature off the top of their head? Ten degrees Celsius. That's twenty twenty-two Fahrenheit. <laughs> when I was in BBC Local, the yeah. weather was your big friend because it was timed mm. bulletins, so you had to finish bang on five past the hour. So what I would do is I would write three weathers. Right, the first one would be if we're on time, it would be dry and bright today, sunny spells dipping into lower temperatures, right, and it would be a full forecast, right? Yeah. And the bottom one would just say, dry, bright, 18 degrees. BBC News at five past Because <laughs> <laughs> you got overshot the bullet. One second. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, we are going to talk about books today at some point, oh, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's your turn, isn't it? It's it your, is. These are your picks. So these, um, what we've just decided to do here, if you weren't with us last week, 
is that a lot of people stop Natalie and me and go, you do that books podcast thing. Can you recommend me a book? I'm going on holiday or I've got a long journey coming up. I'm going to be on a train for hours. Can you recommend me a book? And we get a lot of that. And we obviously read books that aren't just the featured books in these episodes. So we thought it might be fun to tell you some of those. So I did mine last week. And and it's a good time to do this, by the way, because both Natalie and I have had holidays where we've had kind of extra time to... Because you know what someone else said to me? And uh, my friend Charlotte said to me on, on Saturday night, whilst we were at Duran Duran waiting for them to come on, <laughs> uh, she said, I don't know where you find the time. Where'd you find the time? Because she's got kids as well. Yeah. And I said, well, if the book's really good, I try and schedule time like I would schedule a meeting. Do you do that as well? No, so I, I don't. Go, so, so I'll go, uh, so like today... I've got something at five o'clock. So I've, I've in my diary, I've put it in at four instead of five. So I can do an hour's reading before. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's a luxury, obviously, to be able to do that. We're very well aware that a lot of people can't schedule it into their work day if you're, unless you're freelance like we are. Mm. Um, but I do most of my reading at night and in the morning. Um, I quite like, if possible, to, I'm really bad in the morning. I'm much better like staying up late at night. That's probably like ingrained from doing lots of late night reporting and covering various yeah, events and things. I'm the same. So it takes me a while to get going in the morning, but I have kids and one of them still needs walking to school. So I do do that a lot of the time shared with my husband. But if I can, I quite like to wake up and then read a bit in the morning because it just kind of delays any stress you might have for the workday. And I like even when I was kind of going into an office more regularly, I'd try and do that just for 10 minutes because it resets your brain a bit. So yeah. I'd wake up and then grab a coffee or whatever, but then just read for 10 minutes. Um, and I really like doing that. But then often I will read for a long time in bed at night. So like an hour, an hour and a half sometimes. Sometimes if I've had a stressful day and I read at night, it takes me a good 15, 20 minutes to get into the book. I end up reading the same paragraph a couple of times because it's not really going in. So I'm not really concentrating on it. My eyes are looking at the words, but my mind is elsewhere. Yeah. And so I have to stop that. I have to kind of slow that down and then eventually yeah. it kicks in and then you get this amazing stress release. Yeah. I'm laughing because I know we both read on an e-reader sometimes as well, as well as physical books. Yeah. And I sometimes find on my e-reader, if I'm at that point where I'm about to fall asleep or I'm getting a bit tired, I'm like tapping to turn the page but then I can't quite work out if I've tapped to go back a page. And then I end up just like tapping the screen all over going, am I going, where am I? Like, am I back? Am I forwards? Like, yeah, I still haven't quite got there because you can on, on my e-reader, you can basically mm. tap on most of it sort of anywhere up and down mm. to the right and I'll turn the page. And there's just sort right. of like a strip on the left-hand side where you tap to go back. But um, yeah, I'm uh, not that accurate. That would annoy me. Really? Have you yeah. got a button then that you press? No, I swipe. Oh. It's like turning a page. I okay. literally swipe my thumb across. But occasionally on one of the reading services that you and I have for preview mm. books, it's a bit more sensitive. Yes. If I'm on my normal reading service, listen to me, I'm, I'm behaving like I'm still on the beep. If I'm on <laughs> Apple Books, if I'm on Apple Books, then um, I'll swipe and it's a proper full swipe. Mm -hmm. But if I'm on NetGalley, I don't have to touch the screen. And sometimes it's a nightmare. If I'm reading in the gym on the exercise bike and I've forgotten my glasses, mm. I have to zoom in on the page. But then you have to zoom out before you can flip. The yeah, page that's across. really annoying. It's quite yeah. Um, cumbersome. Yeah, it's not a first world problem, but it's quite cumbersome. <laughs> yeah, and I'm reading on a Kindle when I'm doing that, and I should probably like look up. There must Is it be more like... intuitive? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. I try and do stupid things though, because oh, again, like, sorry, we're babbling. We will get to book recommendations. I promise. Um, but I try and hold it with one hand, but then tap with the same hand, and like my hand's not that big. So no. So... 
Why did you, what are you doing with your other hand? Um, if I'm lying on my side um, or just being lazy or just in my head going, I wonder if I can do all this with one hand. Because <laughs> that's, that's what my brain's doing at 11 p.m. or whatever. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. I love that you challenge yourself like that. <laughs> Give yourself a break, girl. <laughs> it's a book. It's fine. Just like use the other hand. You have two of them. Yeah, you'd think. Right. I'm going right, to get so on to my first recommendation. Been, yeah, just before you start, let me tell you, this could be a very interesting episode because uh, my laptop has just put up a mandatory software update. So oh. we'll need to see if we can get all of your books done before it just cuts us both off. Oh, no. I don't know how long that gives you. No, it doesn't. There's no timer on it. There's no countdown. Is it like ten minutes? Sometimes that's what it used to be at the BBC. <clears throat> it would give you a ten minute countdown. Well, we'll find out. Book number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is somebody that we really wanted to get on the podcast, and um, we're going to hopefully get in a little bit, but more when the paperback release comes out rather than the hardback. And it's a book called Yellow Face by Rebecca F. Quang. And I know that you've been reading this as well. Um, yeah. The brief premise is that there are. Two writers, friends from college. You're kind of not quite sure at the start if they're really friendly or if it's just quite a social friendship or what the deal is there. One of them is hugely successful. She's had this meteoric rise through the publishing literary ranks. Um, she sells stacks of books. Uh, they're also critically lauded. She's doing really well. And the other one is still writing, but it's just not catching fire like she hopes it would do. No, and the first one's never struggled. Actually. Yeah, like, no. Literally signed straight from college. Yeah, it comes really easily to her. And she's had that kind of golden ride. Um, and then it's a bit of a bizarre scene, but it's it's told really well. And this is a slight spoiler, but it's kind of necessary so you can see the trajectory of where this book's going to take you. Because it is a, a thriller as well as a... There's a bit of domestic drama in there. There's It's funny in lots of places too. But they get together and finally kind of break down a bit of their friendship um, tension, if you like. And they kind of finally get a little bit drunk, go back to the successful one's apartment actually tell each other how they're feeling, how they found the publishing things. They're sort of properly honest with each other. And they make, I can't remember if it's burritos or tacos or nachos or something. And the really successful one chokes and dies. And you're reading this going, wait, what? Like, mm. what? What just happened? So I'm aware that that's a bit of a spoiler. But well, this is all first chapter stuff. This. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's not going to spoil your enjoyment of this story. And actually, um, no, I think to be fair to you, mm, it's on the back cover as well. Yes, it the, is. The mention of a death early on is on the back cover. It is. Um, I'm trying to gauge how much to say next. Uh, so then... I so I think... would just say then the police come yeah. and um, they obviously, they understand what's good. There's no suspicion of foul no. play. No. Until it emerges that the narrator, who's the least successful writer has pocketed the successful writer's next transcript. Yep, her next manuscript. Left the flat yeah. with the manuscript of the next book. Yes. Which obviously you wouldn't do, right? No, no. So there, that's the first red flag as the reader. That's what you go, oh, I see. So she hasn't killed this woman, but she's happy to nick her work. What's going on there? Yeah, yep, exactly. And the other thing that you need to know is that the really successful writer is of... Chinese heritage and the one who's stolen the book is white and what this story does so cleverly is 
I got one I kind of went into it, I was like oh is it going to be a little bit kind of annoying is it going to set some of these things up and then leave it for too long so you're kind of you know that there's tension coming down the line but it's not going to resolve it until the end and it doesn't do that at each time where you think oh you know there's going to be cultural appropriation or somebody's going to realize about the book or whatever it is um Rebecca F. Quang kind of addresses that really well and she knows exactly what you'll be thinking as a reader and whose side you'll be on and you'll be questioning so she kind of writes in the story she's this she sort of says things like I know what you might be thinking like how could a white writer like take this story and assume it's her mm. own and how would she do that and it just brings up really fascinating questions about how people write the stories they choose to write um how society views different things in that arena um and it's oh I just I really raced through it it kind of read exactly like a thriller whilst having this real sort of social knowledge and insight um that I found fascinating and I know you really enjoyed it too yeah, I've not finished it full full disclosure. I need to. So I'm glad you didn't do any more spoilers than than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was hooked by this like three chapters in. I mean, easy past my thirty page test. Easy. It's just really fast to read. It is. Um, and even though it can be intricate about the publishing business, um, it's also it's very human. It's on a really human yeah. level. Yeah. And all the time. Um, so even when you were just describing it there, I was thinking. So I know you you've said on this podcast your first book didn't sell. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering whose manuscripts you're willing to steal for book two. <laughs> couldn't do it. I couldn't no, do it. I couldn't do it either. Yeah. Because even imagine if you had success off it, you'd just be waiting. When you'd be watching, leading your life, looking over your shoulder the whole time, wouldn't you? Yeah, you were. Thinking, when am I going? I'm going to get rumbled. Surely I'm going to get rumbled any minute now. When's it all going to come crashing down? It's not worth the grief, is it? No, it's not. And again, like this, this all kind of comes out in the first few chapters but it's not just a straight steal of a manuscript. So the the other writer is a good writer and there are loads of blanks in this original original initial draft of the manuscript, which is always typewritten. So there's no kind of other digital trail of, of what's been written. And so it then become, becomes how much of the lines have been blurred. And she's like, well, I did actually write a lot of this book because she just left these gaps and I've filled it in. I've done the research. I've done the work. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And I was, yeah, I could, it was one of those books where I couldn't wait to get back to read the next chapter. Yeah, same. So that's Yellow Face, Rebecca Quang. Next. Next, I want to talk about two books. I know you've read one of them. I don't know if you've read the other mm. one, but they, I also want to talk about the TV adaptations, which have come okay. out in the last uh, few months. So the first one, so we can kind of do both of these together. The first okay. one is Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodesser-Ackner. Do you know what? That's still on my to-be-read list. Yeah. So it came out a few years ago now, and it was on my to-be-read list for ages because I heard so many good things about this. Um, and that was made into a series starring Jesse Eisenberg and Adam Brody and Lizzie Kaplan. And I've raced through the series as well. Right, that's uh, now on Disney Plus here, isn't it? It is, exactly. And then yeah. the other one is Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which I think you have read, right? I have read and loved and devoured, but I haven't seen the Amazon oh. Prime yeah. thing yet. So the, that entire series is on Amazon Prime. And so I read Taylor Jenkins Reid's book first and then watched the series on Amazon Prime. And then I watched the series first of Fleischman is in Trouble. And then Did I started you? to read the book. Yeah. Okay, so I won't name the colleague of mine, but a colleague, quite a high-profile colleague of mine, said that she had done 
the opposite and that mm-hmm. the TV didn't match up to the book for her. For Fleischman? Yeah. Ah, okay. I can, can I can understand under- that? I can understand that. Can you explain it for those of us that have neither read nor watched? I can to some extent, but there is, if you don't know anything about this story, like in mm. brief, and this is really in brief, um, Fleischman is in trouble, like the sort of opening gambit of the book and of the TV adaptation is that Fleischman, who's this man played by Jesse Eisenberg, he is, I can't remember if he's divorced or is divorcing his wife, played by Claire Danes in the TV adaptation, and um, it hasn't gone well. Uh, it's quite an acrimonious split. Uh, Fleischman feels very hard done by. And then one morning, which is where the story opens, she dumps their two kids on him at like four in the morning and goes off to a yoga retreat. And he wakes up to a note saying the kids are here. He, she didn't even wake him up when she came into the apartment. The kids are here. I've had to go like a day early. He was supposed to get them like the weekend, but she's basically 24 hours early. Didn't wake him up left them in the apartment and went. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is outrageous. How dare she? And so you then kind of hear um, how he's feeling. And it's told really well. And Jesse Eisenberg is great. Um, But I don't really want to say too much more about the story because I can see whichever way around you've done it, there's something that you're aware of that will probably temper how you feel about the book or the TV adaptation. Um, and what you about your? I know yeah. you agree with me as a general rule of thumb. Yeah. As a general rule of thumb, you always say book first. Yes. Because it, it, it's better yes. looking in your own imagination. Yes, it is. Um, so would you agree with that with Fleischman? Um, no, I don't think I would because I was kind of like, I was just in the mood. I wanted to watch it on telly and okay. I didn't want to wait. Uh, and it's so rewarding, the TV series and the book as well of Fleischman. Um and it's it's just really well done. It's brilliantly cast. I think Lizzie Kaplan especially is incredible in this story. Um, she's sort of like the narrator who guides you through uh, this friendship group and these people who, on the face of it, a lot of them seem quite spoiled and unlikable. They're wealthy. Um, they appear to have a great life, but they're still kind of really wrestling with this moment in time where you may or may not have kids but you're probably around 40ish or just kind of hitting that mark over it and you're questioning your choices like have i achieved what i wanted to achieve when i was in college like with my friends when we just kind of like mess around and like dream big and be idealistic about the world where are we now and um the lizzie kaplan character is kind of like she wakes up and she looks around and she lives in suburbia in new york state and she's like this sucks. Like this sucks. I kind of want that life back where I would just go out and chat. Mm. And the Adam Brody character, her friend in this is still very much, he kind of hasn't quite grown up. He hasn't married. He hasn't settled down. He makes lots of money. He goes out, you know, he kind of enjoys the city and, and is very spontaneous with his social life, which as anybody who has kids knows is really difficult to Mm. do. It's kind of those things. You're like, what is it I'm missing? Um, And so it's, it's quite unusual, I think for, sometimes for a TV adaptation to be quite inner looking. So it really deals with a lot of inner thoughts Mm -hmm. in a way that the book also obviously does incredibly well. But I was just gripped the whole way through and loved it. When you say gripped the whole way through, be specific, by both? (laughs) By both the book and 
because I wanted more detail from having yeah. watched the TV show first. I kind of wanted as much as I could wrestle from these characters. And did the book give you that? Yeah, it did. It did. So, it's quite a survey. So I'll, let me ask you the question again then. Would you have not benefited from reading the book first so you had that detail? No, I don't think so. Do you think you'd then have felt shortchanged by the telly and that's what happened to my colleague? I don't think so either. Okay, good. Yeah, I think it kind is of it works. I can't remember how many parts it is. I want to say yes. Um, I want to say yes. You said that in your Fahrenheit voice. I did. Uh, I can tell you that it is 15 <laughs> degrees Celsius. Just look it up for you? <laughs> I'll look it up for you. And this is, um, it was FX in the States. I'm just conscious we're global. Correct. So Disney Plus in the UK, but FX in the States. Fleischman is in trouble. E before I. And also, interestingly, I should note as well that Taffy Brodesser Ackner, who wrote the book, was all over the series. So she wrote the series, she exec produced the series, she produced the series, she was the showrunner on the series. So um, I think you really benefit in this case from that. Apple's not, uh, Disney's not finding it, which is really weird. Do you know why that is? Because I'm logged in as my four-year-old. That's why that is. He's obviously been on my phone. <laughs> Watching Bluey. Ah, oh, there you go. And uh, well, at least it shows the print a lot worse, doesn't it? He, you can't even search for things that are above his age rating. Mm. So let me just log in as me. What avatar are you on Disney Plus? Oh, I'm Kermit the Frog. Okay, nice. He's Thor. Yeah. Um, and then my daddy's granddad from Up. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Fleischman's in trouble. Then let's have a look. Episode season one. It is eight. Eight episodes. And they all vary between 43 uh, minutes, around 50 minutes. A couple of them are just over the hour. Yeah. So, again, I think that's quite interesting because if you look at – I haven't actually looked at how long the audio book is of Fleischmann, but I'm going to guess it's probably I'll around eight hours, um, maybe. Let, let's not draw yeah. too much attention to the fact that you haven't prepped this. Let's go straight to <laughs> – I'll do the prep for you. Don't worry. It's all fine. It is fine. Uh, well, I was just thinking of it as I was talking about it, but that's quite interesting, right? Really because. Teasy. I know, but that's kind of one of the things where they say sometimes where reading the book can really benefit from a mm. film adaptation for sure because it's so abridged in that sense. Well, let's play a fun game because we never get a chance to do this. Okay. You've read the book and watched the show. Yeah. Have a guess at the length of the audiobook. Okay, We've I'm never played to... Guess the Length before. No, we haven't. I am oh, going In to... hours and minutes, please. Okay, I'm going to say eight hours, 52 minutes. Oh, you're way out. <laughs> Your way out. Higher. Higher, my love. Do I have to keep going? Okay. Yeah. Uh, 12 hours and 34 minutes. Oh, higher than a 12. 13 hours. Oh, for the car. 15 hours. Oh, you've bust. <laughs> it's it 14? 14 hours, okay. 34 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Fine. It's a lot. That's long, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's a big book as well. Um, right. A lot of pages. Did it feel bigger when you were reading it? It kind of, it did feel quite long, but then I don't know if that was because I was kind of racing to get to the next bit because I sort of knew a bit what was happening because I'd just seen the TV series. Oh, of but, course, um... of course. Did I tell you my big book experience, right? So um, I had some authors on the show and they had yeah. a really nice time and they wanted to send me a book to say thank yeah. you, which is very sweet, right? And so they sent me um, I Am Pilgrim, Terry Hayes. Have you read it? No. It's phenomenal, right? But it's like a wedge of a book. It's mm. easily 800 plus pages. Ooh. And really it, small type as well. Uh, that didn't stand out. What stood out was just that when I held it, it looked like 
a doorstep sandwich that you'd buy in a decent cafe, right? Yeah, don't get me off again on sandwiches, but yeah, I'm with you. Or it looked like two bricks on top of each other. It was that thick, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm never going to finish this. And I said to him, oh, look, thanks, it's really sweet, but this book's massive. And they went, trust us, you'll race through it. So I took it on holiday with that, and I'd done it in four days. Wow. Honestly, it was like the quick, because I could, I'm like, oh, oh, and that was the crowbarring thing I talked about earlier. That was the same with this book. Yeah. I'm like, right, the kids have gone in the pool with um, my other half. That means I can do two chapters. Mm. And then um, I'd get ready for dinner first. The boys would be ready. They'd be watching something on their iPads or whatever. Yeah. And so I'd go, right, I can get another chapter done just before. And so it was crowbarring in mm. because I was desperate to find out what was going on with this secret agent. It's really good. It's really, I, really good. I'm also really impressed that you took such a heavy book in paper form on holiday. I know, right? I know, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Did you leave it there? No, brought oh. it back. Yeah, still got it. I've sometimes done that way. If you take a big book and then I leave it there so I can Yeah, do you know what? On the most recent holiday we had, uh, my other half took a book, left it and brought another one back. There was like a book exchange in the hotel, which I thought was a really cool idea. More hotels should do that. Yeah, that's what I've done too. Sometimes when you're done, you're done, aren't you, with a book? Yeah, Yeah, you can do that sometimes in my Airbnbs as well. Right. Yeah. It's a great idea. Anything that promotes reading. I know authors might be going, well, no, he fiddled me out of a sale. No, what it's done is he's brought a new reader to you. Exactly. Right. Just briefly, then, I will talk about um, Daisy Jones and the Six, the book oh, yeah. and the TV adaptation. What so did you do first here? I said did book first, but right. quite a long, well, when I say long time ago, three years ago. Didn't we do her for, for that book? No, it wasn't for Daisy Jones. We interviewed Taylor Jenkins Reid for yeah. Malibu Rising, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was the book after, wasn't it? Yeah. And I've also read Carrie Soto, which was Oh, I haven't that read that yet. That. Is that good? Yeah, that's really good, too. I really love um, Taylor. We should Jenkins. say at this point, if we haven't reminded you for ages, <laughs> you are by far the quickest reader on this podcast, aren't you? I mean, I'm quite a slow reader, but you are yeah. sensational with your speed. <laughs> but I don't think I am. In has like that a... always been there? Uh, has that always been there? Yes. Same yes, when you were at has. school and maybe yeah. doing set text straight away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that yeah. you can't, I suppose it's really, I don't, I'm trying to ask you questions from the perspective of someone who can't do that, but because you can do it and always have been able to do it, you probably can't answer those questions. Do you know what I mean? But the the difference probably is I don't skim them at all. I do read right. them, but right. I wouldn't necessarily say that I always retain the information. Um, right. But that was very much like when I was at school, I would re- I don't and I don't think I've got a photographic memory at all. But I'd be able to like read revision notes like an hour before an exam and then regurgitate them. But I wouldn't right. necessarily retain them. Right. Okay. Interesting. I um I find if I start to force it or try and if I speed it up, I end up not taking detailing. Mm-hmm. And if I try and read for longer than I thought I would, I just switch off. Mm. I reach a certain breaking point, even with a great book. I think, right, but I've done an hour now, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, if I force it, I know I'm just going to resent it. I, I don't want to ever resent reading. No. Because it's one of life's pure joys. It is. And I think probably why I end up reading quite, racing through books quite quickly is because it generally quietens my brain and I'm at that point in life where I can because we read a lot for this podcast as well and I also read a lot to inform my writing because I think it is true that the wider you read and the different types of books you read um will if you are trying to write as well it will help guide you as to how you want to kind of do things your way a little bit. It's a real like education, I think, too. So Daisy Jones and the Six. Which is about a fictional band, perhaps similar to Fleetwood Mac, 
set in that timescale in the 1970s. Um, and it's really about the life and loves of the people in that band. But the the style that it's told, which is how it's replicated in the book and on the screen, is that there is a documentary that's being made, a TV documentary looking back at the success, the success of Daisy Jones and the Six, who had this huge career, did this incredible tour, but then fell apart and disappeared and never performed again. And again, that kind of flashes up on the first bit you see on the screen like it's this Mm. kind of roaring crowd and daisy jones and the six at their kind of like apex of their career and it's like this is the last time they ever performed so you Mm. want to find out what happened to the band Mm. and it's all about the relationships and it's and if you read this Mm. um it's written what style would what's the style it's got is it reportage what's the phrase they use well it's basically reads like a a rolling stone magazine profile yeah exactly so there's no it's not no paragraph structure to this it's basically like Daisy, colon, and then a bit of her thoughts, and then it'll be someone else, colon, but, and it's written like that. And it's quite unusual. And and the skill in the writing here is that you have to buy into these characters because if you don't buy into them, if you don't invest into the characters and you don't care whether the band makes it or not and what made them split up and all this, if you're not into that, the whole structure fails. There's there's a really good plot and story here, but you're right. It is character clever. first. So clever. Um, and you really care about the characters and... They all, they all, do they, does it apply to all of them? Yeah, I think they all behave badly at some point. They all do something where you're like, oh, come on, mate, like, that's not great. Yeah, yeah. But you're so invested in their characters that Taylor Jenkins Reid gives you a reason to why they might behave that way and why they felt that was their only option at the time to do that. Um, and it's just, it's so beautifully written that... It is never a chore to read no. a page of her writing. I agree. I agree. It's beautifully written. I was invested from the off. Love, love, love this book. Not seen the telly. Should I go to the telly? Yeah, the the telly is great. And again, I saw a lot kind of lots of things being a bit sniffy about the telly, as often happens, because I'm kind of like, oh, is it like really cheesy? Mm. Um and I think it's cast really well. You've got Sam Claflin, who plays one kind of half of the main relationship at the core of this book, a guy called Billy Dunn. Mm. And you've got, um, oh crap, I've forgotten her name. Kai, mm? Riley Keogh, who plays Daisy Jones. And she is... Not Kylie Rio. No, Riley Keogh. <laughs> <laughs> you know my brain's not always firing on all cylinders right now. <laughs> not fair. Um <laughs> Sorry, and, that and it's really interesting because she is uh, Lisa Marie Presley's daughter, Priscilla oh. and Elvis's granddaughter. Wow. Um, but she'd never really sung before. Right. Um, and neither had Sam Claflin. But they have such a good chemistry on screen, which, you know, is kind of firing all over the place when you read the book. And that's what I was really invested in too. And the supporting cast in the TV series is incredible as well, especially, um, you might know this, she's possibly more well-known for modelling Suki Waterhouse. Oh, yeah, I know the name, yeah. Yeah. Um, She is an actress as well, and she is also legitimately in a really cool band too, and she plays um, one of the other people in this band, and they've all got brilliant stories. Like, nothing is kind of shallow in this story in terms of you sort of know where everybody's going, and 
Yeah, I love it. And they there was a really good team of musicians who wrote original songs for this. Taylor Jenkins. Well, I was going to say, I've seen the mm. music um, in the iTunes top 10 yeah, for the album. It's flying on Spotify yeah. and everything because. And they're all original songs, aren't they're they? They're all original songs. Taylor Jenkins Reid in the original book had written a whole set of lyrics that are included as an appendix in the book. And she kind of like dotted throughout the story as well. And so she's written the lyrics for these. And then people have taken really skilled musicians, um, have taken her words and turned them into these great songs that are then performed. Very, very good. Um, why have you mentioned that now? Because you read it ages ago. Because I remembered about it because I've only just seen the TV show because the, t- ah, the TV yeah, show course, just yeah, yeah, yeah. came out. Yeah, and you were doing two books to telly to... I was, got it. yes. Got it, got it, got it. See, it's not just your memory that's hazy. <laughs> no, um, it's not. Where then, are we going next? Okay, I've got three things left to talk to you about, but okay. not in quite as much detail as those ones. So. Okay. Because I very fortunately got to go on holiday to Japan over Easter, I wanted to read a book by a Japanese author. Right. So I read Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi, okay. um, translated by Jeffrey Trusillo. Uh, this came out in 2019. And what you'd like it because it's a really small book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not very many pages in this one. Uh, so it's quite precise with the words but the story is beautiful it's about this cafe in japan um i think it's in tokyo kind of down a back alley uh and it has the the people who run the cafe it has the ability that if there's something that you want to fix in your life a relationship or something you kind of wish you'd said to somebody or you want to find out the reason why how somebody felt about something you can go back in time and sort of revisit that or try and address that if you go into this co- into this cafe but you have to be back before the coffee gets cold so you uh-huh. have to you can only do it in that kind of limited time that's good um, it's really good and it's really because it's quite short it has to be um sort of quite upfront with what it's telling you and where it's going and what it's doing and, and is so, there a butterfly effect to this if you go back yeah, in time do you then there, there, there are like kind of rules they the... kind of lay out what you can and can't do and that you yeah. can't change things and um it's very it's very smart in how it kind of knows exactly what you'll be thinking from reading science fiction or knowing those stories um but i love the writing on that especially it's funny 224 pages yeah funny and bittersweet and just lovely so that's before the coffee gets cold by toshi kazu that sounds loads of fun how did you discover that uh how did i discover it uh was just browsing one day and so i liked the cover art um was looking for something based in japan and found that and i think there's a whole series um from this cafe as well that i will go on and read now because i loved it uh i will also mention briefly a book called wahala by Nikki May. And Why do I know that? Why does that You know that because we spoke about this uh, on Times Radio. We spoke oh. about Nikki May. Oh. And um, I got to meet her for the first time a few weeks ago. And it's just come out in paperback, Wahala. Uh, and this is about a group of friends based in London who there's kind of uh there's a there's, there's like a fourth friend who kind of comes into the fold that none of them particularly like but she kind of comes in and she's having a crisis so they sort of scoop her into their group and it's basically like a, a kind of tale of friendship 
again, people at different points in their lives, one's got kids and is a little bit dissatisfied. The other one's sort of trying for this huge career progression. Um, they have their Nigerian heritage in common. Um, so there's some beautiful touches in this story about their culture, which obviously being a white person brought up in Oxfordshire, I did not know. So I really, really enjoyed learning about that and, you know, just food and clothes and all that kind of thing. Like Nikki paints a, a beautiful picture. But then the book takes you to places you would not expect. It's like a thriller. And I mention this now because the paperback recently came out and it's been snapped up. The rights are being developed for TV. So, yeah, get on board with Wahala because it is fascinating. So while you were talking, I was just looking it up. Um, I mean, there's some interesting conflict around this book. So first of all, the publisher says it's Sex in the City with a Killer Edge. Mm -hmm. Would you go? With, you'd go with that, okay? Yeah. And then the top two customer reviews are giving it one star. One specifically has an issue with the narration on the audiobook, so that's not necessarily related to the <laughs> that's book. a rubbish thing then. But uh, this this review says worst piece of literature from the diaspora, problematic, anti-black. Reading this as a Nigerian, I feel very insulted. A book about four mixed-race Nigerian women that has the worst perception of our country. All the worst stereotypes of Nigerians. All the main characters are pretentious and condescending. Then the next review gives it four stars. Interesting. Yeah. And having spoken to Nikki as well, she's well aware of those reviews. And oh, she um, right? yeah, she's mixed race herself. And she has been told that she's not black enough. She's not white enough. She's racist. And again, I don't, it's like, it's her story. This is yeah. how she yeah, wanted yeah. to tell it. So, you know, I she wonder if, do um, anything do you think else it's possible, like, is it possible for her to take a step back? Because initially that would hurt, wouldn't it? If you read yeah. something like this. Yeah. But then you go, well, at least my book's provoking such extreme reactions. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I remember doing a radio show once where I was called a, a lefty pinko liberal by one texter. And then immediately the next text called me a right wing fascist. And I thought, well, I've got to be doing something right. <laughs> if if two different people have taken such different strands from what I'm doing, do you know what I mean? Then my neutrality was obviously spot on that day. Yeah. But at first you read it and you go, oh, that's a bit, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard not to be hurt by it. There. And she's gaining all these different ranges of reaction and people having a visceral reaction to it. They're not just going, yeah, that was all right. You know what I mean? So you're saying that's a positive overall. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. And to counteract that as well. So um, Wahala is being adapted by the BBC. It is being adapted by Teresa Ikoko, who wrote Rocks, which was that huge BAFTA Winning? Did it win BAFTA's film? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, Wahala's being produced by Sid Gentle Films, who are the team oh, behind yeah, yeah. Killing Eve. Yeah. Uh, BAFTA nominated. Um, it didn't win. Uh, but they describe it as the series is Big Little Lies meets Girlfriends and will be an amazing celebration of Nigerian British culture. So that's Wahala by Nikki May. Um, I very strongly recommend that one. And then just lastly, I couldn't leave you without mentioning a cookbook. So... <laughs> I mean, surely you've read them all, right? Uh, I haven't read them all. And one that I came incredibly late to, because this came out again a few years ago, yeah, uh, was Nigella Lawson's Cook, oh, yeah. Eat, Repeat, which I only just got in the last month or so. And I mention it here because Nigella quite often precedes her recipes with like one or two paragraphs of writing in her kind of like more recent cookbooks, if, you, if you've got how to eat kind of going way back, that's much more, there's much more writing from her in that. And this book, I hadn't realized because I kind of hadn't seen this that much in the reviews, takes it back to that 
sort of original style that she has where there are huge long essays about where the recipes came from why they mean so much to her she kind of writes like four pages on vegetables and why the kind of upcoming recipes that will follow that essay are so vital and then dots throughout her essays just extra recipes so you kind of get you know three or four additional recipes that you know if she's talking about I don't know wild garlic which is in season right now she'll kind of say oh no if you've got some like you could just make this wild garlic pesto just grab this do that do that and you're done and then she continues her essay about why this particular food matters to her and things and it's it's just it's just beautiful so I've kind of been cooking loads from that recently and also then just sitting down for you know 10 20 minutes at a time and reading one of these essays it's lovely Oh, nice. Okay, so it's more than a recipe book. It is. That's why you said cookbook. Because I think it's important to distinguish between the two. Sometimes it's just a list of recipes, isn't it, some of these? And other yeah. times there's much more to it. Like the uh, the one that we did, Bread Song, is just beautiful, isn't it? Bread Song is... Ugh, Where it's autobiographical story. with recipe. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. So this is the... Um, you know what you reminded me of? Did you see um, the comedian, Munya Chihuahua, who was on... Um, he's big on Instagram. Yeah. He was on Jonathan Ross, and he does Nigella. And he basically does it like a sexy <laughs> Sid James. You know I mean, it's just... Yeah. He does a look at the camera with loads of innuendo, you know, it overplays it. It's definitely a bit of that. Isn't it? I mean, yeah. she's not, that's not an accident, is it? No, but it's just who she is. Like, um, I love her. She's kind of my go-to recipe writer. And What's your favourite Nigella recipe? I've done a Guinness cake. I'm sure that's hers. Oh, there's so many. I literally, really I have so many in my repertoire that I use from her books. And what I also really love about her, uh, her recipe writing is that she's very much, um, up for the reader adapting to suit your own needs so I've taken loads of her recipes because I don't eat meat and I'll just substitute other things in or I'll kind of like up the veg and you know if I want it spicier or, or what often happens is if, if I haven't quite got all the ingredients in the house I'll just kind of use what I have but try and hopefully retain the core essence of her recipe and she very much encourages that which is my style of cooking so I like that um I did just lie because just before we sign off and before your computer restarts I want to mention briefly a book that I'm reading that I haven't got that very far into yeah but I'm also loving and this is Frontier by Grace Curtis and it's science fiction fantasy which I know is not a genre All we talk about, that much on, <laughs> talk about that much on here but the story is brilliantly written and so well told it's kind of a bit like a wild west tale there's like a standoff at the beginning on some distant planet and again much as we were talking about with Taylor Jenkins Reid what I'm really relishing about Grace Curtis's writing is the characters and how character driven this story is because again like I quite like a bit of science fiction and fantasy but I don't particularly like a western tale because often I think they're just too masculine for my taste sometimes um, or that there are there's a lack of women in them or mm. the women don't do very much um but there's kind of like a wild west drama to the opening chapters of this and it's funny and it's quirky and it's dramatic and it's sort of it's really pacey so yeah uh, that's what i'm currently reading uh, frontier by grace curtis nice those were natalie jameson's other books basically my other books last week my other books would mean non Podcast episode books, basically, is what we're talking about. Yeah. Very good. Good spread there. Thanks. I like to read widely and um, just try different things. I also do now want to know, like, I almost want a play-by-play, hour-by-hour of your day, so I can (laughs) know how you do so much reading. (laughs) Do you go to bed late? Yeah. 
I do. That's good to know. I sometimes think oh, I better not message now. It's too late. And now no, you're, no, you're reading. I'll generally be awake reading. <laughs> but I don't have the phone in the bedroom though. So. Oh, do you do that thing where you mm. leave it outside the room? I do. Does it help? Or do you uh, do you ever go? Oh, I need to go and get it now. No. I think that's I just, what I'd worry. I think I'd yeah. be lying there in bed. I'd go. Oh, I'll just check that. No, I think you might do that initially, but then if you get used to it, then you just don't do it because you can't be asked to get out of bed. <laughs> and that is the name of your autobiography. <laughs> can't be asked to get out of bed. <laughs> and uh, other probably stories. been done before, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the charlatans did can't get out of bed, didn't they? They did, yeah. But I think if you had the be asked, it's very Jameson, that. <laughs> very Jameson. So next week, we are back with Joanne Harris. But we're going to do some more of these, I think, as well, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to do some more of these because because books come through and for whatever reason, sometimes we can't get the author or they're not available. We still want to tell you how great the book is. Exactly. Just because we can't get the writer doesn't mean, doesn't diminish the book in any way. Nah. So. Yeah, and in fact, uh, my best mate's been on. You know, your biggest fan. Um, so we need to say Hi. thanks to uh, Michael because he uh, bought us both a coffee on co-fee.com slash bestsellers podcast. And uh, he, he wrote me to say, you know what you need to do is in the episode blurb, can you write all the books that you talk about? Because yes. I needed to go back to them and I didn't want to have to skim back through the pod in the audio. Yeah. Shall we say we'll do that? Now? Yes, we'll do that. Yeah. We should totally do, do that. Because I had that thought as well. And I was like, I should put it on social media and I should do that. And he said to me, you did one. You did one. I said, I did. Yeah, you did one right at the end. Ha Han, no, Hannah. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, ha, ha, uh, no, it was definitely an A. And I'm really, really. And in the end, I had to go back through the audio for Was him. it Harlan Coben? Yeah, it was. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's going to go off and buy Harlan now. Bless him. Yay. So, yeah, we'll do that. We'll list the in, in the blurb right by where you click to play on the podcast. Um, we'll add the books that we've discussed for both of us. And we'll do some more of these. Lovely.